You're listening to Queer Travel Chat by Too Bad Tourists. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Travel Chat. I am Austin, one half of the blogger duo. And as always, David is here. Uh, Join with me here, uh, calling in from Madrid. Well, yes, but I'm also with you in your apartment <laughs> drinking your wine. <laughs> yes, you are. So we're back for another episode. We're excited for today's show because we are talking with Zill. Uh, Zill, yes. Oh, Zil. How many glasses did you, you know? Have? I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna redo that because we can edit this. We can edit. This I'm not out. editing that. Out. I'm keeping that in there. We're excited to talk with uh, Phil Sheldon, uh, the president of He Travel, and Zach Moses, the CEO of He Travel. Uh, they are the leader in gay travel tours and gay adventure travel for the last forty. I think even 50 years, and they'll certainly correct us. I think it's been 51 years now. And they are going to tell us all about the history um, associated with their company and about the LGBT tours uh, that they offer. So we want to thank them for joining and sponsoring today's episode. Uh, we also want to thank the dog that David, his dog sitting <laughs> snowball. So if you hear a bark in the background, we apologize for that. Or if I'm yelling at a dog to <laughs> exactly. shut up. Uh, he likes to bark every time someone walks down the stairs. Sorry about that. But anyway, as we will be uh, talking about LGBTQ, LGBTQ group travel, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some uh, interesting stats regarding LGBTQ plus travel, uh, just kind of get the, the show going. So um, I did some Googling, and according to research done by MMGY Global, which has done a, like a survey on... Um, 3,000 different American LGBTQ travelers. They recently did a report that was published by Travel Daily News, and so I just kind of took some fun stats from that. And Austin, did you know that LGBTQ travelers are more likely to travel solo and less likely to travel in pairs compared to other American travelers? I didn't know that exact stat, but that does not surprise me. Doesn't that kind of go exactly into like our gay group trips that we offer ourselves sure. as well. Like, it's like, yes, that makes yeah. sense because that is what uh, we often have a lot of solo yep. travelers. I'm like, yep, that Absolute, makes sense. Also on average, um, US LGBTQ travel groups spent slightly more on vacation overall in 2021 than other uh, travel groups, uh, which was about $461 on vacation. I don't know if that's um, per day or per whatever versus 455, but they tend to spend more on vacation. Mm. Did you know this? Uh, I did not. I didn't read any of these stats before the episode. So you're, you're, you're and LGBTQ travelers are more likely to travel. No, that's my other one. Sorry. Let me go back to my new one. Okay. Uh, they're more likely to stay in hotel accommodations uh, for choice instead of um, other options, which I thought it's 47% um, said they opted to choose hotels, which I was a little surprised because I thought there was all the other alternative uh, accommodations, um, you know, House rentals, Airbnb, yeah, and things like that. Favorite hotels. Um, there also, uh, Grinder did some stats as well, so I thought we'd uh, statistically just... significant stats. <laughs> clearly, I mean, right? come on, we're going with some stats on the case of their travel, and I was like, I want to include Grinder yeah. here for sure. Yeah. So the app um, recorded uh, or released some of their info from um, the last year on on some of their different sort of stats, like on um, sexual positions and all that, but I went for the travel info. Um, So if you're on Grindr, uh, I guess they have, um, you can explore. I'm actually not on Grindr. Yeah, there's an explore feature where you can see profiles of people who are not in your city. So you could be like, we're in Madrid and we can just be like, I'm going to explore, you know, London, right? That's what I understood. Okay, so um, the most explored city, according to the app, was uh, Mexico City last year. And then it was followed by Bogota, Paris, Madrid, where we live, and London. 
Very interesting. I never would have expected Mexico City. Yeah, it's uh, that was the number number one. And the most explored country uh, last year was, uh, where was it? The top ones were India, the UK, Colombia, and Germany. So kind of interesting. I guess it's like, these are where, I don't know, I guess this tells you where the gays are thinking about they're going to travel and trying to arrange their hookups ahead of time. I suppose. Yeah, that's kind of that. Or at least least meet someone to, to, you know know someone in the city yeah and, and if they get lucky honestly <laughs> i when i did have grinder i did use it a lot to meet up with people uh for drinks and stuff not always just sex so uh, i don't know some random interesting facts to, well, to get us going on stats yeah so well guys thanks uh for joining us if you like the show please be sure to subscribe to it on colin spotify apple podcasts or even google podcasts uh wherever you get your podcasts for that matter and give the episode a like with the heart icon once it's published. And remember, you can always follow us on social media. We're always at Too Bad Tourists. And lastly, please feel free to leave a comment about what you want to hear more of because we do read those comments. You can send us a message on our website, social media, because we sometimes use that for inspiration for um, some of our shows. So to get into ep- today's episode, we're super excited to talk with Phil and Zach. Um, or as you might call them, Zill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we, of course, love gay group trips. As we were talking about, it's a great way to meet people. We get a lot of solo travelers on our trips. I'm sure Zach and Phil uh, have similar uh, things they can talk about and, and tell us. And one thing we really like about gay group trips, and I think others probably feel the same, is you know it's really a great way to feel safe and welcomed, particularly in maybe places that you don't know or maybe places that aren't necessarily as LGBT-friendly. Um, and it's great because you can have everything kind of organized and done for you. One and done, that's one of the best parts asshole. because like I'm planning a trip uh, with a friend, just a weekend trip to Zurich uh, next month and just putting in all the detail of like just getting yeah. four days planned. I'm like, oh, I can't plan anymore. I'm exhausted. So that's a huge perk of doing exactly. great trips. Is and, done and for you. you know, when people are, you know, like the folks from Heat Traveler are running these trips, I mean, they've been running them for years and they know all the best spots to go, the best tour guides, the best contacts. So um, it's really just a great way to travel. So Phil and Zach. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for yeah. thanks for inviting us. Yeah, of course. We're happy to have you. So to kind of uh, get things started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves and then how you got started at, at Heat Travel? Um, well, I, um, I bought a book in a uh, gay bookstore in Boston uh, sometime in the 1990s <clears throat> um, by Hans Ebenston. And it was called Volleyball with the Kuna Indians. And it was um, about some of the first gay tours that ever happened. And I, I found it fascinating. And a few years later, I moved to Key West, Florida, and saw a little ad in The Advocate that said, um, Hans Ebenson Travel, tours around the world with an address in Key West. And so I dropped in on him, uh, told him that I was leading tours around the world, and, um, and including China, which was my specialty. And Hans said, uh, well, I would like you to lead my tour to China in a year and a half. Wow. And, That's so awesome. That, yeah, so I then joined Hans <clears throat> on a trip to Egypt so that I could see how he led his tours and what were different from taking, uh, you know, 40 you know, senior citizen straight couples around China um, and learned a lot. And I, I just really fell in love with the, the smaller groups and the gay clientele. And so in 2000, Hans looked at me one day and he said, um, I'm 75 years old. I'd rather write more books than business letters. I'm either closing my company or selling it to you. Which will it be? And hmm. I turned around once, um, said yes, um, 
put together a contract where each of us were offering the other one more than we were asking for. And so, um, in January of 2001, um, I bought the company and uh, have carried on the traditions since then. Amazing. That's amazing. And Zach, how did you get involved in uh, heat travel? Uh, well, my dog, I had just moved into this house and my dog started puking on the brand new rug. And I jumped out of bed and ran my dog out the front door. Um, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't wearing anything. And so I grabbed a towel and like a kitchen towel and (laughs) my front door with this little kitchen towel that I was trying to put around myself. And, uh, Phil was out feeding his cat across the street. So that was how I first met my neighbor. (laughs) And uh, where this story was going. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Hey, we became fast friends. And, you know, we ended up chatting, getting to know each other, um, and became friends and neighbors. And, uh, we were in a, Phil actually would come over. We, I used to make popovers and we'd have tea at my house. And one day he's over, it was during, um, I think it was the Christmas parade. Uh, we'd run into each other and he was telling me that his, his marketing director had quit unexpectedly and he had these ads that were due. And I said, well, you know, I actually, that was what I was trained in. It's not what I'm doing now, but that was actually what I was trained in doing. And I came in and I helped him put these ads together real quick. I didn't even fully understand what the company was or its history, uh, but I put these ads together really quick and I, and I handed them to Phil and he, he said, Oh wow, you're, you're done. I said, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, and I, I thought I'd done something wrong. I was like, yeah, I mean, there's just a little bit of Photoshop editing real quick to make it work. And he said, no, no, that would have taken the last guy, uh, at least a week or two before he got anything to me oh, wow. I'd to him in like an hour. And so he, he gave me like a, a, a data analyst uh, analyzing thing to try. And um, I, I, I sort of sat down, I put it off. I procrastinated a whole bunch, but I'd given him a deadline. So I, I did it at the last minute and I went in and I quickly looked over this data and I kind of punched it all together quick and tossed it over to him. And it was the same thing. He's, kind of blown away at what I had pulled out in a quick period of time. And, you know, when he said that the other guy had taken a couple of weeks, um, I told him, well, you were getting ripped off. Uh, Yeah. Really fast. (laughs) And so, yeah, he offered me a job and and kind of gave me freedom to to really really get creative on how to uh, make the company pop post-recession. Well, that kind of inspires me to maybe say hello to my neighbor because I take the opposite <laughs> approach of, of, of avoiding them. <laughs> oh, you never know. I have, I have my, my other neighbor in, in Utah, I, we just sort of were like kind of just chilly, whatever. Hello. That was it. If we were out mowing the yard. And then one day after we moved to H Travel to Salt Lake, I was like, oh, you know, what? I got to go hang out with this guy. And I go over to his house and I just knock on the door and he invites me in and we end up chatting. And, and after a few minutes, I realized he knows how to solve this website crisis that we're having. And, and same thing as, as Phil, you know, I gave him a little project and he uh, fixed it really quickly. And then we started tossing more at him. He's now our main web admin. That's Robert. Um, <laughs> All right. So the, so the lesson and- of the day is to... Walk out of your house semi-naked and go meet your neighbors, apparently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my, my favorite term for that is structured serendipity. Oh, okay. Um, provide the structure 
do the things that you need to be doing, like feed your cat or take your dog out when it's puking. Right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but allow serendipity to happen around you. I think allowing it is is the key word there that you have to be open to it, which which I love. Yeah. Um, can you uh, either of you tell us a little bit more about the history of the company? Um, yeah. Um, so Hans Ebenston, um, our our founder of the original company, um, back in the 1960s, uh, he worked in London putting together trips for lords and ladies to the the, the Black Sea and places like that in Turkey. Um, and he was invited to move to New York by Lars Eric Lindblad, who really created the whole concept of adventure travel. And so Hans created the first ever tours to Easter Island. Uh, he helped to create the whole industry of tours to the Galapagos, places like that, uh, to Egypt, and, um, and then built on that foundation. And in uh, about 1972, Hans and his partner Brian did a Grand Canyon rafting trip on a trip with a family with a little girl and some other people. And the girl kept whining. And at one point, Brian looked at Hans and said, you know, Hans, this would be so much more fun with a group of homosexual gentlemen. <laughs> and so, so they returned to New York, put an ad in, the, in a little magazine called After Dark that New York gay men read and immediately filled a boat to go down the Grand Canyon. And that's recognized as the first ever gay tour. Uh, that was uh, cool. 50 years ago. This year was the actual trip down the canyon, uh, 1973. And wow. we proudly still run Grand Canyon ra rafting trips with the same partner. Excellent. Great idea. Great, great origins. That's so cool. I mean, I love like just, yeah, the, the history of LGBT plus tourism kind of all comes together. Here we are 50 years later and, and we get to talk to you guys who have kind of the insight into where it really started. So that's that's so cool. Um, now, actually... David was telling me about uh, a story that he read on your website. And so we wanted to ask about this. And so can you tell us the story about Pan American Airlines um, and as it relates to heat travel? What happened with that? In, uh, when, when Hans first started, he and Brian lived in New York City. And Hans had an office uh, near Grand Central Station, near Park Avenue. And Grand Central Station was under a building called the Pan Am Building that older travelers will remember. And so Hans went to the Pan Am office and said, um, I'm taking a group of homosexual gentlemen to Tahiti and I'd love to fly Pan Am, which was the only U.S. carrier going there. And so the person that he talked to was excited about it. But once it was shared around the office, uh, Pan Am came back and said, um, we do not knowingly take uh, lawbreakers on our flights. And, and so they rescinded the, uh, the flight reservations. So Hans then went to LTU, which was a French airline that flew through Los Angeles to Tahiti. And they said, ooh, la la, a group of homosexual gentlemen. <laughs> would be lovely. And right. so uh, LTU got the business. Excellent. And Pan Am um, got their karma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What about um, the Hans Embedstein Award and, and IGLTA? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll take this one as well. Um, in 2004, um, Hans gave a speech to the Key West Business Guild uh, where he lived, talking about um, his whole history of, of putting together tours and, in fact, uh, saying, well, you know, lesbians are named after the Isle of Lesbos, 
Um, gay men should have something similar. They should be called Bithynians, uh, based on an old myth, um, you know, about uh, gay lovers. Um, and uh, after that, word about that speech got to the IGLTA. And so for their convention in Vancouver, they invited Hans to come speak. And so Hans gave the keynote address, and he was talking about history before any of us in the room had ever been in gay travel. And so from the beginning, um, you know, it, it was just really interesting. And after the speech, some of the people were in tears because they had no idea of what that heritage was. And so afterwards, the IGLTA board met and they decided uh, to rename their Hall of Fame award as the Hans Ebenstein Hall of Fame award. And then they gave the first Hans Ebenstein Hall of Fame award to Hans. And Real cool. What, what year was that? I'm sorry. That was 2004. Okay. I didn't know that they gave it to him as well. I didn't know exactly. To be, I'm going to be totally honest. Uh, when they were giving it at the last IGLTA convention, you didn't know I, I wasn't was, aware uh, of who yeah. he was. Well, now you, now you do. Yeah, now. <laughs> which is why it's so um, uh, cool to, to hear the story. And it, can you give a quick IGLTA for those who may not Yeah, so, so if anyone's listening to the... Okay, Zach uh, popped off and now he's back on. So it's good well, to I'll see him in a minute. Um, so, yeah, if, if anyone is um, not familiar with IGLTA, they are the International LGBTQ Plus Travel Association, started in 1983 as a small group of basically like gay guest house in South Florida. Uh, but now it reaches like more than 12,000 um, businesses all around the world. They have members in more than 80 countries. Of course, people like he travel and, and many, many more from the smallest, you know, single operator travel agents to the largest airlines that, that exist and hotel brands. Um, so that's actually how I've met Phil and Zach before. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's an annual award that they give each year to someone who's kind of a, a trendsetter in LGBT plus tourism. Love it. And I, and I liked, I really wanted to start out this uh, episode talking about, um, that history with Pan Am, the history of this award, the history of, of the company, cause it, it really is, I think, so unique, so interesting it and an important part of, I think. Um, of, of who you are today. And so let's dive into to exactly who you are today. So what sort of, of trips do you offer? What, what are the destinations, what's the style of trip? What's the length of the trips that you offer? So our, our trips are mostly upscale. So these are professional level gentlemen who get together. We're in four and five star lodging. Uh, we try to go for five star, but oftentimes uh, staying at a four star lodge, sometimes it'll be right adjacent to an amazing archaeological site or a really cool area and you know maybe like in in egypt we, we've got the hotel where you throw your shutters open and you you see the great pyramid framed there so uh it's it's very experiential we decide the experience that we're going to create which is oftentimes just a suggestion from one of our clients and we create the experience and, and then we price it. <laughs> it's, uh, a lot, most tourism, they kind of have a price point that they're after and then mm -hmm. they build the thing around that. And we, we've followed the motto that our community can support products that are just, they're just made to blow you away. Uh, give you mm -hmm. a kind of fairy tale version. Uh, and, and then traveling with a group of congenial, mostly gay men. We do get some lesbians we get we get some trans people and bisexuals i mean you really can't even put a number on that one mm -hmm. you, you really have no idea mm -hmm. <laughs> uh that orientation and <clears throat> who might be doing both uh for the tours 
like you were saying earlier, we definitely see more single travelers. Um, we do oh, get a lot of, yep. yeah, we get a lot of couples, uh, but we've always trended towards solo travelers and even more these days, uh, especially since the pandemic. Uh, I mean, those, some of our trips, the entire launches are people in private rooms. Now, even friends are now getting their own rooms post COVID. Mm. Wow. Uh, plus, you know, I mean, it's gay guys. <laughs> so you're going out on a tour. You're hoping you might meet somebody. You might, you know, right. something might happen. It's kind of hard when you have a roommate. Okay. You don't have right. a private room. That's never stopped me. No. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, but the, so we, the the tours are are generally um, like eight to fifteen days. We have a few that are a little shorter than that because we have some demand. Uh, but our average trip length is that is, is like eight to ten is our average, and then as many as two weeks. And, and and we have a few tours where you can add extensions and be out for a month or two if you want to. Wow, that's awesome. And and could you tell us some of uh, the destinations? Uh, yeah, we've got some really cool ones. Uh, our flagship tour, I just joined that one. That's our Nile in style in Egypt. And that's one that Hans put together. And that one was really fascinating because I had not realized, I've been selling this brand for a dozen years, and I had not realized how much the local people there sort of have this reverence for Hans. Like he really, uh, the, the pioneering of tourism that he was doing into that community, um, oh. They, uh, it, the, the effect it had on how they developed and how they made their money was huge. So now for decades and decades, they've just been expecting our groups to come. And, and so this trip is one that we ran it. We were, after Arab Spring, when everything shut down, uh, we were still the only group getting this boat. In, in the pandemic, we were the first people pulling this historic ship. We used a ship built in 1917 for the king. Uh, and it's, it's like, it's beautiful. It's, there's more staff than guests and people are like polishing all the brass and, and mahogany and everything. And it's, it's a museum piece. It's a real paddle wheel steamer that goes up and down the, the Nile. And I hope it floats also. <laughs> oh, it does. It's amazing. Okay. But they did get, they did get stuck. They had to get a tugboat out at one point. <laughs> so it only half floats. Well, no, it floats. It just okay. doesn't, All that sounds really it nice, just doesn't move gotta, forward. <laughs> but yeah, just unique things. Uh, we're not just going to destinations as, as gay groups. We're going in, in style We're we're, we're trying to have experiences that, um, are really difficult to replicate, even if they look similar on the surface to another one. Ours is very difficult to replicate. How many trips do you guys typically do per year? About we do about launches. Yeah. Okay. Sixty. Wow. wow. That's... Yeah, it's down and... a little since the pandemic, but our average has been about sixty launches. And then wow. we're having to scale back up to that since the pandemics, but it's springing back. Incredible. And how is sort of the breakdown between traditional gay friendly places versus places that might not be known as, you know, so friendly, you mentioned Egypt, but what are, what are kind of some of the other destinations and, and how does it compare? 
Um, what do you mean for? Oh, where we go? We go to all yeah, yeah. Friendly, like all like are half your places more? You know, places like Egypt or you know a third of them are more like LGBT welcoming. How would you kind of break that down? Oh, you know, some places are less welcoming than others. So obviously, you go to a place like Sweden and you're in this LGBT perfection bubble (laughs) you're like everybody seems to be a little gay um whether they are or not they're just so welcoming um and and it can get confusing in other places uh in general um as long as you're you're moving in small groups almost everywhere has a, a welcoming nature if they're a tourism destination um as you get out of those tourism destinations you know, I mean, I would be careful if you were in Russia to be even in a tourism destination right now. Um, but we're even seeing things. I just talked to a, I had a friend who went in and he visited Saudi Arabia, which just opened to tourism. And they are not, it is not gay welcoming. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you to run a gay group to Saudi Arabia, especially mm-hmm. New York, Queens. <laughs> like, that is not the place uh, for a bunch of New York, Queens. Um but it still exists there. So he went in and he went into where there was a, there's a coffee shop and it's, and, and, you know, you, you can't tell from the outside, but when you walk inside, uh, you know, this is obviously decorated by gays and, uh, and they're just very below the radar. So anywhere you right. go, even, to, even to Uganda, I can introduce you to local gay vendors but we can't advertise something like that on our website wow. for Crazy. for fear of what it'll do because what whether the government is friendly and whether the people are friendly are entirely yeah. different things well and on, and on that note can you let us know like a little bit about how you um like about the local businesses and hotels that you work with the local guides you work with how you find them yeah, we we have an incredible network around the world um we run as many private customized tours we put together for people every year as we do group tours. And so we have a network that includes over a hundred countries around the world. And so a, a great example is um, uh, we have a friend in New York who specializes in Africa. And we told her that we had some people who wanted to go to Madagascar. And so she introduced us uh, to Saholi in Madagascar and to the guide Armel. And um, so this weekend, I've actually been working with them. Uh, they, they had their second tropical cyclone in a week come to Madagascar. Uh, but these local partners were amazing. They said, well, the place you're going to is flooded at the moment, but this other direction is not flooded. So we'll send you there instead. Um, and we always have the local contacts who can turn on a dime if they need to. And because all of our groups are small, uh, it's relatively easier to change than it would be, say, for a group of 40 people on a bus. Yeah, that's right. actually really. Well, and speaking also... about speaking about the guests, like what like what are your typical guests or do they kind of vary? Where do they come from? Um, age range, age range, different demos like nationality. that. Median age would be, say, 48. People start traveling with us generally in their 30s. Though you do get some younger guys, but. Below the below, like mid thirties, they're usually somebody's guest, um, and then we get guys on the adventure tours, like mid thirties to 
mid fifties would be the average people. Uh, it goes up. We get guys on adventure tours sometimes up into their seventies, but when you get them up in their seventies, they're frequently more fit than the guy in his fifties. Um, and then the That's cultural cool. tours, the cult people, some people travel on those cultural tours till they die. Uh, we had <laughs> we had a guy uh, who was joining our tours, and toward the end, I think Phil was getting him a like hiring people to push wheelchairs for him because he still wanted to join things, wow. but we didn't want him holding the group back. Right. Um, that's not common, but because most people don't want to pay for a wheelchair pusher, uh, but it's there. But um, it's amazing guy, that that person was like, I'm not going to sit home. I'm going to go on these trips. Yeah, like you're not going to stop. Yeah, me. for sure. We had this guy who was in his eighties. He hadn't, and he hadn't traveled with us since he was in his seventies, but he was still following our catalog. So he calls me up and he's like, Hey, I really want to join a bike tour, but there's no way I can ride a bike anymore. Can I just ride in the support vehicle and just be around the energy? And we were like, yeah. And he actually chose to be in the top. We use this villa in Puglia, Italy, uh, and we, we charter out the whole villa. And he chose the room at the very top of this huge flight of stairs because that would be his exercise, which I'm like, are you sure? But he insisted that's where he is. Uh, so he'd get his exercise up, this, up and down these stairs every day. And then he would just ride in the support van and get out and hand the guys snacks and things with our guides that are normally doing that. And he loved it. And, and I have pictures of him uh, when, when group members helped him hike up a hill to see a ruin that he thought he couldn't do. And, uh, and they just hauled him up the hill. And so we got I think that's so cool, like incorporating him and being flexible in the way, like in the product that you offer and allowing a way to, to make sure that he can still be involved in, in a unique way. That, that's awesome. That's, that's definitely a, yeah. a attention to detail. It, it would be easy to say. Sorry, no. Yeah, like we don't we don't offer it's that. It's too much work yeah. for us. We don't want but to do that's it. So cool to, yeah, I mean, it would become problematic, I suppose, if there was a lot of that. But that's more yeah. like here and there. We'll get guys up yeah. to that level. Um, that's cool. but it's it's mostly guys that are just you know they're professional level or early retirees, um, and they just they're the thing they have in common is all being in the in the community. Uh, and then everything else is just wide range of differences because really there's nothing about being gay that says like who or how you develop. So you get just, you meet the most interesting people from all walks of life, uh, but they're all mm -hmm. kind of professional level. Um, you, you're not, you're going to meet other people and not end up with a, with a tag along <laughs> looking for handouts because cool. everyone can afford to be on the tour. Uh, so that's actually something that people like about our tours as well. Um, one of the things that I think sets us apart from most companies is um, we have both Hans Ebenston's tradition, uh, which is what we call our cultural tours. But uh, in 2002, we added uh, Allison Adventures. And in 2014, we added Out West Adventures. And they both specialized more in biking, hiking, rafting, diving trips. And so we, we've continued to have both. So we, we have a whole range of cultural tours for people who don't want to work so hard. And then we have the adventure tours that other than our mascot, Frank, in Puglia on the bike tour, uh, generally are for people who can enjoy, you know, uh, cycling every day, enjoy hiking and things like that. Well, speaking on the note of, of the actual trips, what would you say are like some of the most popular trips that you guys offer? Um, and then and then more some of the more newer trips that you offer. 
the Grand Canyon, uh, our Grand Canyon rafting is by far our most popular trip. We do the most launches on that one, uh, multiple across the summer. We don't have as many launches this summer. Um, we were focusing on other tours, uh, but we'll be doing more launches down the Grand Canyon um, next year and the year after. And I don't think there's very many spaces left on those either. Uh, that's by far our most popular is that one. And then other popular ones, uh, Botswana has been really popular, which surprised me because, you know, it's that hard to get to. Yes. It, it, has a, it has a higher price point than a lot of other tours that we do. And so when it first went live, I was like, oh, I don't know how well this is going to sell. Uh, and it's, it's been selling extremely well. Um, awesome. Namibia, Africa, that's been popular. Um, Tanzania. In the, yeah, in the last few months, um, our Egypt tour sold out for the second year in a row, uh, as did our Japan tour uh, in the fall. Great. So definitely great popular destinations. Well, can you give us um, any sort of um, gossip? What's what's in store for the future of a few travel? What's what's coming up? Do you have anything in in store that's that's going to be new? I'm working on a new trip to Madagascar, um, and we, we've had two private groups go in the past year, and um, and then we're working on a new trip for August. And um, I I've seen lemurs in zoos, but until I saw the photos from my clients of the trips, uh, I didn't realize how cool they are. Um, they actually jump around on two feet, and they have the cutest little faces. And there's different <laughs> kinds of lemurs everywhere. So I'm really excited to offer that trip and uh, hoping to lead our inaugural group launch. Cool. That's wow, like that's, a, yeah, that sounds amazing. Absolutely. Well, so if, if there were uh, like a new traveler who wanted to join one of your trips and especially someone who's never been on an LGBT group trip before, like what advice would you have for them or what would you tell them just in terms of what to expect or, or how to come and, and enjoy it? Um, yeah, what we would tell them, to come and expect to meet new friends. Uh, because we do have many people who are traveling alone, um, a majority of people in any group don't know other people in the group. And so it's a really good chance to just get to know each other. And you know, I, I just really enjoy the dinners, just sitting and just listening to people because the people who travel with us tend to be people who are successful in whatever path they've chosen in life. And they're all different. Uh, so. You know, we've had Terrence McNally, the now late playwright, uh, join our tour. Um, and we, we had another guy on, on the group. Uh, it was an Amazon uh, trip. Uh, there was another guy in the group who had taught drama to the U.S. Army in Korea for 30 years. And so the two of them created an impromptu play in the middle of the Amazon. That is so cool. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think I think traveling with uh, other people is a great way to meet friends because you're going to create these new memories and you're and you're spending so much uh, intimate time together that you really can. It, it provides a space to really open up. And, and I think that's great. And meet new people from different backgrounds, which is really exciting. Um, is there any question that either of you uh, wish that we had asked or something else you'd, uh, you'd like to share? Well, I think uh, we're in a unique position to kind of look at the whole range of the travel industry. And one of the things that's been most interesting to me is, you know, 50 years ago. So when Hans ran the first trip down the Grand Canyon, the odds are that um, most 
of the members of that group were completely in the closet at home. Um, many of them would have been with wives and families. Um, they would have been working where everybody assumed they were heterosexual. And, you know, and being able to do the group was like a place of refuge for them. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, Hans and Sasha Allison early on with Allison Ventures um, ran a lot of like gay men only trips because they wanted to give gay men that space where they could kind of relax and be kids and not worry about what other people think. Um, over the years, uh, happily, as we've moved towards gay marriage and things like that, um, we, we've switched our tours so that all of our tours are all welcome uh, because the, the way that I like to describe it is that we want our tours to look kind of like a gay wedding. You know, everybody knows that there's a gay flair here, but the whole family is welcome. <laughs> I like that. That's I think a that's good way a, to put that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we always like to to wrap up the interview with the question, and we'll we'll pitch it both to you. Um, so, where are you each traveling to next? How about you, Phil? What's your next trip? My trip. My next trip is to Japan. Um, I'm leaving about a month from now, and this is a specialized tour uh, for doll collectors. Um, a good friend of mine. Uh, is a is the world's expert. He's literally written the book about Japanese antique dolls, and he has a very loyal group of collectors, um, mostly women. Although uh, we have one man who collects dolls on this trip, whose wife doesn't, <laughs> and um, so he's going to join us. And um, wow, that is so niche. I love it. So that is the most niche trip I've ever heard of. That's fantastic. Enjoy Japan. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Where are you headed to next? I'm heading off to Antarctica in about a month. Uh, it's a, it's going to be an amazing trip. We, we're going in. We actually can land on the continent. We use a small ice-breaking research vessel that's been converted to passenger use. So there's, uh, I believe, 40 cabins on the ship, and every single person gets to go and set foot on the continent. Some people are actually camping on the ice. Um, I, I don't believe this trip that you can do the, the diving. On some of our trips, you can actually dive like dry Wow, amazing that both of those destinations yeah. sound very cool. Those are like, oh, those are like uh, mic drops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, way to leave everyone yeah. with a little bit of envy. So yeah. fantastic. Just February. Um, yeah, and our next year's trip to Antarctica is going to be what's called a base camp trip, and it includes a photography workshop, uh, snowshoeing. Uh, the opportunity for everybody on the ship who wants to, to camp on the ice for a night. Um, and uh, yeah, just pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, it's it's the seventh continent for many of us and just an incredible experience. Awesome. That's an amazing trip. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us, giving us the history of Hans Evanston and also telling us about the tours that you guys are, are still running and, and his legacy. So yeah, that's and, awesome. and making us excited about travel. I love yeah. it. It's really exciting. I noticed that we did have a few live listeners. So thanks, guys, for uh, joining us on the episode. All right, Phil and Zach, we're going to mute you both and we're going to wrap up the episode. So thank you so much. And, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, All guys. Right. Bye. Thanks. So guys, remember, if you like the show, please subscribe to it on Colin, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and give the episode a like uh, once it's published. You can always follow us on social media. We're always at Too Bad Tourists. 
And lastly, please feel free to leave a comment about what you want to hear more of or send us a message because we do listen to those comments and we'll create episodes based on uh, that feedback. Yes, and we will be back on February 5th. We will be talking to Mike and Kyle. Wait a second. Did I get this date wrong? It's either February 5th or it's February, wait, February 5th. We're 12th. on their podcast. Yeah. Well, okay, just... wait, wait, wait. I can fix it. <laughs> I think, okay, if you. We're going to be on uh, the Gayish podcast on February 5th. I don't know when they're going to publish that, but on February 15th, uh, we are going to have the hosts of the very popular Gayish podcast, Mike and Kyle, on our podcast. Uh, we'll talk to them about uh, their show, their travel experiences, their hometown of Seattle, and what that's like as a travel destination. And of course, uh, the theme of their uh, gayish podcasts are gay stereotypes. So we'll talk to them about some stereotypes around LGBT travel and LGBT-friendly destinations like P-Town, Fire Island, Palm Springs, Puerto Vallarta, things like that. So we're really excited to have a conversation with them. So uh, look forward to that next month. All right, guys. So until next episode, um, we will... Speak later. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank you.